welcome to more to come pw comics world's weekly podcast of graphic novel and comics news i am heidi mcdonald the editor-in-chief of the beat at comicsbeat.com uh you can check us out on social media everywhere at pw comics world on twitter on tumblr on facebook everywhere and uh also if you're listening on itunes make sure you leave a comment and tell us how much you love this podcast so give us a good rating um well hopefully your idea of a good rating will soar today because our guest is Greg Pock, who is, uh, well, he writes comics, uh, he's a filmmaker, he's a crowdfunder, he's a scholar, uh, he is a renaissance man of comics, and he's also uh, a bit of an activist of late, Greg, is that fair to say? I, I guess so. I mean, I, I, I kind of flap my yap every once in a while. I, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I have opinions, and every once in a while I talk about them. <laughs> Well, um, you know, you have uh, stayed on Twitter, uh, which is, you know, love is a battlefield, as uh, Pat Benatar <laughs> might have said, you know, <laughs> and, and had a lot of uh, strong statements. So, um, well, let's let's talk right now. I, 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 Greg, you have done so much with crowdfunding. You actually wrote a book about crowdfunding, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's called Kickstarter Secrets. Okay. Uh, I I'd done a I'd done three three Kickstarters that I'd actually run, and I'd been involved with a few others, and um, kind of had uh, I, I figured so I, actually a friend um, T Franklin uh, mm-hmm. who's who's got her first book uh, Bingo Love out in stores right now had suggested that I she was like hey you know uh, you should heck you're you're talking about these things on Twitter with some tips and stuff you should write a book and so I did wow um, she's full of good ideas yes yes exactly so uh, and then I crowdfunded it and uh, because if you're going to write a book of Kickstarter tips you better you better do that thing on Kickstarter <laughs> put your right. money where your mouth is right um, so that's what I did and you can get it uh, you can get a PDF of it for 12 bucks if you go to gregpockshop.com um, now the first one you did was uh, Code Monkey Saves the World is that yes is that right yeah. so Co- that will Oh, tell, tell, just explain a little bit about what that project was. Right. So um, I went to college with uh, Jonathan Colton uh, back in the day. Uh, and uh, since then, Jonathan became a Internet superstar musician, uh, kind of famous <laughs> for uh, he, he, he did a thing where he did a song, a, a song a week. And he put up uh, he just put him up on the Internet and built a ba- uh, following. Uh, and uh, he's one of the he's kind of a. He, he's famous for building a creative career using the internet, mm-hmm. um, and so he was doing that while I was uh, while I was making independent films, and then uh, and then moving into comics and all that. And at a certain point, we just started talking, and and uh, I was like, "Dude, you've got all these amazing songs that have these great characters, and they've all got these kind of goofy genre things going on. You got songs about zombies and about a." A, a coding monkey and 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 a supervillain and and I was like let's you know why don't we do a comic based on these characters and and we did um, and uh, from the beginning we thought hey this should be a thing that we do a Kickstarter for just because uh, he and I had both kind of come out of this DIY you know scrappy build your own audience and make it happen sort of world and Kickstarter had a sort of within. Uh, it had been about a year, maybe a year and a half since Kickstarter had sort of really become a viable uh, way for comics creators to uh, get their stuff out in the right, world. Right. Um, and I'd been kind of itchy to do something there, and it, it was totally on brand for Jonathan. So we went for it, and mm-hmm. it, it turned into kind of a big, a big thing. It, it sort of went through the roof, and it was incredible, and we love all our backers. And the thing, uh, I mean, we ended up with something like eight thousand backers, which was, mm-hmm. it just blew our minds. Yeah. I mean, well, you, like ten times. 
Yeah, you raised over three hundred thousand dollars. Also, I'm looking at the page right now. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah. you got you you made some some coin on it. You know, yes, I mean, it was yes. quite successful. It was, um, it was pretty exciting, right? What was though? I mean, it's funny you mentioned you know you being you know you and Jonathan both having this kind of scrappy DIY you know aesthetic in your background because um, I'm sure I'm not I'm not going to. Uh, you know, date you, but I'm sure when you went to school, the DIY aspect of it might have been, uh, you know, maybe in the early days, the internet, or you know, we didn't have all those tools, so it really was about street teams, you know, and posters oh, and yeah. flyers and physical stuff. Oh yeah. And you know, now we have, you know, DIY is practically corporate. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a funny. I mean, it, uh, it's interesting because, uh, and this is. Uh, kind of segs into something I think you, you were talking about us probably wanting to talk about, which is this notion that um, it seems like there are all these new and awesome tools that let us reach audiences and let independent stuff get out in the world. And that's absolutely true. I mean, Kickstarter is amazing. And, and I think like right now, if you ever wanted to make indie comics and, and try to make some money off them, this is probably the best time ever to do it. Uh, uh, just because uh, if you are comfortable using those tools, um, they and, and sort of invest the time to, to 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 figure out how they work and everything. They make it so much easier to uh, start to build your mailing lists and mm-hmm. and um, and and to uh, and and folks are used to kind of clicking on that green button on mm-hmm. Kickstarter to back projects and actually put money in the hands of creators. So, um, and, and it's not just Kickstarter. There's other there's other venues out there that that are uh, allowing people to do this. At the same time. Um, I've become sort of hyper aware, uh, just in the, you know, I, I guess from the beginning, but particularly in the last, last year or so of the volatility of a lot of these, uh, tools, particularly right. in so when you look at social media, you know, um, you know, it, it used to be that, well, way back in the day, I, you know, when I had, when I talked about my mailing list, I literally had a mailing list <laughs> that was, uh, you know, that was people's right. snail mail addresses. I mean, this was back, back in the day, we didn't have a term snail mail. It right. was just mail. Right. Um, you know, like, and, and, uh, you know, I was doing improv comedy in New York City when I was in film school and, my improv comedy group, we'd literally get together and I mean, I would, I'd go to Kinko's, I'd go to a coffee <laughs> shop and I'd, I'd, I'd Xerox my, uh, you know, the, the, the postcards I designed onto eight and a half by 11 card stock and then hand cut it, you know, into, into fours. And then we'd take those, <laughs> we'd take those postcards and, you know, we'd, we'd get together and we'd stamp them and we'd address them by hand. And then, wow. you know, like if we were really fancy, we'd print those, uh, We'd, we'd actually print the addresses out on labels. I think yeah. there was a certain point when we upgraded. It was like, okay, we're going to learn how to print yeah, but, on the labels. But, you know, that was so hard because if you didn't get the labels just right with your template, it was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. And, you know, labels were so expensive. Anyway, yes. And yeah, we yeah. wore an onion on our belt, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it was, yeah. it was so much effort, you know. Yeah. And and that, and that and every mailing was going to cost you, I mean, I don't remember what it was at the time, but like, you know, 12 to 15 cents or whatever it was to mail a postcard. Now it's a lot more than that, right, but right, um, right. you know, so there was a, a real investment in uh, in in time and money to do that. Um, so it was a huge thrill when I was out pushing my films uh, to film festivals, and when I finally made my feature film, Robot Stories, when I was able to say pass around a uh, a legal pad at a screening and say, hey, if you want to get on my email list, you know, just give me your email address and I'll add you, and then. You know, so so while I was you know on the road with my films, I built up a email mailing list of um, 
uh, of I, gosh, I mean, for robot stories, I think that ended up being a few thousand people. It was like three or three and a half thousand mm-hmm. people, which was which was a huge, huge resource, you right? Because this was a scrappy little film with no uh, marketing budget, but we were able to, you know, email people and say, "Hey, if you like the film, please tell your friends in L.A. because we're going to open in L.A. next week," and they would, mm-hmm. and people came. I mean, it was. It really it worked. There was real um, equity in that in that mailing list, you know. Yeah, yeah. Even though and it so, seems small, yeah. And and so I think a lot of you know a lot of people who came up during that time had built up email lists, and then over the years, I think a lot of us. Well, I mean, you know, speaking for myself, I'd let it kind of lay fallow, and mm. um, because I joined Twitter and I had sort of let social media become the place where I reach people, because it's frankly a heck of a lot easier to you know, to post a couple of tweets right? Uh, or, you know, to post a few tweets than it is to, you know, actually do up an actual newsletter and, and send that thing out, you know, and it's, I mean, which is kind of ridiculous because it's not that much of a big deal to do a newsletter, but if you're going to do it regularly, it actually, you know, it takes some time and you're, you know, you know you're, you're proofing in a way you're not proofing with Twitter. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like you bang it out in five, in, right, in right, literally right. 30 seconds. It's a thing where you might take a half an hour and right. you know, that adds up. Right. Right. Um, right. but, and, and also Twitter's Twitter has been effective. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, like I, I, I had, I don't know. I think I had like 8,000 Twitter followers when I started doing Kickstarters back in the day. And, um, I mean, I think when we started, Jonathan had maybe, he had a lot. He had, cause he'd been, he'd been smarter about, you know, building an audience and he's a musician. So he traveled and, and had more face to face contact with folks, I think. Um, and also he's just amazing and, yeah. and pe- people want to follow him. But he was, uh, he was, I mean, just to throw in there, I mean, I know he had a huge cult following and I know that people, you know, were talking about him like right from the get go of like, oh yeah, this guy really, you know, he's putting his music out on the internet for free. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it really was, he was definitely an early adapter. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, and part of the Code Monkey thing was timing mm-hmm. um, in that for for each of us in our careers, I'd never done a Kickstarter, he'd never done one. And, and the fact that we were coming together to do a Kickstarter that was going to be a comic based on his songs, like that was a newsworthy hook. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, right. so we, you know, we contacted all these different, you know, people who had covered us in the past for various websites and publications, and they were all really interested, more interested than they would have been if I just contacted them about another comic book or he'd contacted them about another album. There was some, you know, it was a, it was a hook. There was something right. at that time that, you know, that, that made a lot of sense that people would write about it. So we got a lot of great press and everything, but, but to, to circle back. I was primarily pushing that thing through Twitter. Mm-hmm. Jonathan was tweeting. He also was doing Facebook. Uh, we did some, he did some Facebook ads. And then he also had been smartly building a newsletter that, um, uh, and had done a better job of building his newsletter over time. Mm-hmm. He had a much, he had a much bigger newsletter list. I mean, I think at that time I had a news, like I, I let these newsletters kind of fall apart and I'd had like, I had maybe 500 people on mm-hmm. a newsletter that I sent out maybe once or twice a year. You know what I mean? Right. Not, right, right. not, not, not commensurate with, uh, with the number of folks who followed me on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like it, uh-huh. it was, it was a, it was an ill used resource. Right. Um, so long story short, cut to now. Um, and just a, you know, a few months ago I was like, dang, I need to, I need to get that thing going again. Partly because Twitter, I mean, like you say, Twitter, as you said at the beginning, Twitter is, it's a creepy place, or it can be a really, I mean, it's sort of a cesspool, you know, we all right. use it, in the comics industry, I feel like we, we kind of all, 
I mean, it is kind of a wonderful place in comics. It is enabled. Um, well, it 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 kind of was the genesis of the Code Monkey Save World project. Sure. And that, sure. You know, I I was joking with Jonathan about it on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. like in public, I was like, "Dude, we should make a comic out of this." And he tweeted back, and he said, "Yes." And then we did it. You know, you know? it's 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 funny. Just to, like during the Super Bowl, it was it was you know I was on Twitter, and it, it took me back to those good old days because you know it was really fun. It was like you're yeah. on there with your friends. Everybody was commenting about the ads. You know, it's kind of like what Twitter really became, you know, when it started, had this shared experience kind of thing that was yeah. collegial and, or friendly. And, you know, now yeah. it's become a, you know, a call out, a, a, a windy step of call out culture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, in the, you know, the platform is also packed with bots, you know, mm, like, yes. and, and, um, you know, and, and so they've got trouble with fake news and harassment and many other things that are that make it. Uh, an unpleasant place at times. Um, and I, you know, and I have my, you know, like just given, you know, I mean, given just the national effect mm-hmm. of the, the, uh, you know, the proliferation of bots on, on this thing, I, you know, it, I, I, I ask myself constantly what I'm doing there. Right. Um, well, I, it, it, it's, and, it's just, it's also like the earliest days of the internet, you know, with Usenet and all that, you know, like Twitter has become Usenet, which is, you know, it's a fascinating, like, you know, this isn't completely out of left field, but anyway, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah. So, so the, so my, so what I found myself thinking, and it was, and there were other people who kind of nudged me toward this. I think, um, uh, I, you know, I've got various friends on on Twitter. Cheryl Lynn Eaton had been, mm-hmm. I think, Sh- Cheryl Lynn Eaton is just a very smart person who talks a lot about comics. I had, she, I think, she had talked about her newsletter, and she mm-hmm. was talking about, um, you know, the platform she used, and or and and I. I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was like, yeah, I should be doing this too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I thought of what she uses mail poet to power her newsletter. Uh, most people use MailChimp right now, or a lot of people use MailChimp or tiny letter, but she's got a WordPress site and she uses mail poet. And I was like, Oh, I got a WordPress site. You know, I can try that. I, and I did. And it was really easy. And I was like, okay, then I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And, and because what a newsletter, what an email newsletter gives you, is direct contact with the folks who have chosen to receive right. your newsletter. And that's, um, I mean, Twitter is great because, you know, people follow you, they want to hear from you, so you can plug your stuff, and the people who want to hear from you see that stuff. Um, and uh, some of the other websites uh, or social networks are much more flawed because people follow you because they want to see your stuff, and then there's an algorithm that uh, determines whether or not they get to see your stuff. Right. You know, like Instagram and Facebook, it's a crapshoot whether or not mm-hmm. anybody will actually see anything you post. Yes. Uh, because, the you know, and, and the, the Facebook model is basically um, if you want people to see your post, you have to ultimately, you have to pay them. You have to pay Facebook. Right. Uh, Which is smart. They, they realized right away they had to make people pay. So I, I, I got to give them that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and I would be fine with that if I felt like the pain actually resulted in people seeing your stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like the, I, I've done Facebook ads a number of times. I, I mean, there's a certain arcane art to it that I have not mastered, but I, I feel like Facebook also does not really want people to see your stuff if you are pointing people away from Facebook. What Facebook right. wants is for you to do all your stuff within Facebook. Um, Anyway, I you know like I I I I I am dubious of all of this, and uh, I use these platforms because it is an efficient way to reach people who only use those platforms. But over the years, I'd been doing this thing where like I'd send out a newsletter and I'd be like, and don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I had that exactly the wrong way around. I right. should be using Twitter to right. get people to follow to 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 uh, subscribe to my newsletter because the newsletter will always. I mean, as long as email works, uh, your newsletter will get to people. I mean. Now there's worry that Google is going to, you know, slot all newsletters into a separate folder so people don't see them. You know, oh, really? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's the that's the latest sort of anxiety about this. <laughs> uh, you know that they're they're you know they've got their own algorithm working on email, and that's that becomes scary now because um, you know like if you're if you're if people have actively chosen to receive your newsletter, but then it's going into a weird folder that they don't check, then. Then you're screwed all well, over again. Well, they do. But, you know, it's it's funny that that um, I mean, you know, Google has these folders, Gmail has these folders, and um, you, you know, you can't just make your own folder, which is strange because Google lets you do everything else, and they're just so bad at human connection. You know, anytime there's like, oh, let one human talk to another human, and it'll be really cool. They're like, mm, I don't know about that. We got to find well, a way to mechanize it. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's you know, I mean, it's it, it, it's money, right? You know, yeah, like everybody yeah. they they. They need to get a piece. They need to get a piece of it, and if they don't get a piece of it, they are less likely to let you uh, let you have that direct connection. Scott you know? McCloud I mean, was right about those micropayments. He just used <laughs> Google, not cartoonists. You know, so so this is the you know so 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 that's where we're at, and that's mm-hmm. why I've that's why I've revamped the the email newsletter, and um, you know so. I'm, you know, constantly plugging it and, and folks are signing up and it's been fantastic, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now I'm, you know, I'm very consciously, I'm still using Twitter. Mm-hmm. I use it all the time. I, I mean, I really enjoy Twitter. I, uh, and, um, and it's also, uh, it still is essential for me in terms of my business plan, mm-hmm. you know, just in the sense that that's how I'm gonna, that's how I reach a lot of people. Um, I mean, and it's weird because around the same time that I've, you know, been thinking very seriously about the need to uh, move away from Twitter, I've also kind of ironically found that uh, I've, I've been a little more, um, I've gotten a little more attention on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. just, I mean, I, uh, I've done a, I did a few things. Um, I've been posting about just practical tips about comics writing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, um, you know, and I, I did one almost as a throwaway a while back, you know, like a couple of weeks ago. I just, you know, posted some, I, I was just thinking about it and it was like, okay, you know, like I, 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 what I'd done is I just turned in a script and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I, and I was kind of giving myself, patting myself on the back, uh, you know, just thinking, I, that, I, 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 I wrote that thing and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, it, you know, and I, I felt pretty good about it and I was like, oh yeah, because I, I, I don't know, I was kind of just being conscious of the steps I'd gone through and, in my own head, patting myself on the back for, for having a system that actually worked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but you know, and so I, I posted a few thoughts. So, you know, like just, uh, this was, this was how I did it. And I, 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 it was a numbered list of like 10, 10 steps, just practical steps, which, you know, seemed kind of obvious to me, um, just from having done it for a while. But, um, and folks kind of went a little nuts for it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, because people are, hungry for real information they are know, they really you, are yeah and 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 also i don't know i mean i i was a boy scout <laughs> i i have i do have this kind of ingrained sense of we're all in this together and right. cast your bread upon the water and it's never a zero-sum game and so many people have helped me over the years um in various ways and i've learned so much from other people that you know if i have 
some time and i i it's it's i i like to i like sharing information well you know greg i'll throw in here one thing i i do have one of your tweets is actually pinned to my is my pinned tweet on my twitter where you (laughs) tweeted you tweeted another beautiful day another awesome chance to treat people online and in real life with kindness and respect and um you know i i i I actually think about that all the time (laughs) it's simple (laughs) you know these simple little things but um yeah, I mean, it's like I, life's too short to me to 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 wallow in. Too, you know, like I, I, I'm an angry person. I get very angry about stuff all the time. I write the Hulk. Of course, I'm an angry person. You know, uh, but uh, but I really, you know, I I mean, tweets like that are a reminder to self as much as anything else to me. Right, you know what I mean? Right. It's, well, like, it's, like, yeah, it's it's so yeah. easy. We do. We have this platform where you can vent and. Um, I mean, this would be, you know, we could have so many five-hour podcasts talking about these different topics. So I, I'm going to steer it back a little bit. So, so after you kind of relaunched your newsletter, I mean, yeah. like, like, I mean, do you want, can you give any metrics? I mean, how many people? What kind oh, of response yeah. did you get? Right. Well, uh, just right off the bat, a couple hundred people signed mm-hmm. up, which was amazing. Was right. Like, right. You. Right. Um, and also, what I did is because I had a, I had an, you know, I had this old newsletter that was run off of literally. 2004 era software, you know, from an old web host, um, you know, and it was just really clunky and just not, not so good. And I had upgraded my web host and, and, and so I wanted to do everything totally legit. So I didn't want to just migrate e- e- email addresses over and just resubscribe them without telling them. So I, I emailed folks on that newsletter and I said, Hey, this is the last one of these you'll ever get. Please sign up for the new newsletter, you know, and, and a bunch of people did. And I, I did the same thing with my old robot stories newsletter, which still had something like 2000 names on it or, or addresses, but those addresses were from actually, no, it, th- those had, I think it was only like a thousand. It was mm-hmm. like, a, yeah, there were about a thousand names there. Um, but those addresses had been culled away over the years because most people signed up for that thing 15 years ago. Right. Um, so, and so again, I didn't just want to migrate that over. Um, you know, I, so anyway, so I, I, I let all those people know about it. And, um, and so a lot of people signed up right away, which was fantastic. And then I started plugging it on Twitter, um, and more people signed up, but, um, you know, over the first, uh, few weeks, it was like, uh, I, you know, I, I, um, I actually, you know what, I'm going to bring up my little thing ah, here so I can actually, I right. can actually, I can actually tell you a little bit how it went. So. I sent out the first of these new emails in, let's see, on uh, the first one I sent out on uh, December 11th of 2017, and that went out to 163 people, so pretty small. Um, I sent out another one the next day. Why did I do that the next day? I guess it was like, hey, we're, we're, we're cooking. Uh, 236 the next day. Mm-hmm. And then wow. I started ju- and then I was doing it weekly, and it was jumping. So it went from 236, and then a month later it was up to 728. Wow. Yeah, and now it's now it's at about sixteen hundred. Wow! So that's yeah. really really effective. So I, I think even what that shows is, I mean, there's a couple of things about it. I mean, number one, obviously you're a very good communicator, you know. But I think people want to have, you know, I think they want to have, like you say, they want to have this information and they want to have it. And um, you know, it, it, it's so ironic to how this evolves to me and it just it, it, it you know to me what's really interesting is what it shows about human nature because when twitter started that felt like oh you were engaged and you were you know talking to people directly but now it's gone back to this more little closeted kind of thing you know or this cloistered well, yeah. i mean part of it too was that i realized 
I'm a little more interested. Like, I mean, I subscribed to some friends' newsletters. Mm -hmm. And it was like, and I feel better in my own brain when I read their newsletters mm -hmm. than when I scan the Twitter feed. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right. It's, like, it, it's like there's a little more, you know, time and thought. And you kind of see somebody, you know... Uh, you know, talk about something in, in, in a little more depth. And it's, it's, uh, you know, that's, that's a nice way for a brain to work rather than just kind of being flooded constantly by a cacophony of sounds. I mean, right. like I, I'm, I'm all about that being surrounded by a cacophony of sounds. I live in New York city and, uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, I did improv comedy for years where you're constantly bombarded by new stuff and you're thinking really fast, but, um, but you know, there's, I, I, I think there's virtue to slowing down a bit and focusing on one thing at a time. And, uh, and I think newsletters allow for that in a really nice way. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely. So, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and and so the big jumps that I saw in this in 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 my in newsletter followers came uh, when I was doing those um, comics making threads right. on Twitter. You know, so people and I was, <laughs> you know, I'm shameless. You know, I, I, because because I'm like you know like I'll do this thread and then at the, the you know towards the end of the thread I'll be like and you know if you right. are intrigued by my ideas please join my newsletter well, or if, subscribe to my newsletter well if you're listeners if you were listening to this and you do want to subscribe to Greg's newsletter <laughs> go to gregpak.com g r e g p a k dot com and you'll see right at the top subscribe to uh, my newsletter so yeah. so you're very focused on that now now I want to I want to actually talk about um, so many things I want to talk about, but let me shift a little bit to, mm -hmm. um, I mean, for comics writers, uh, it is, you know, this is like a powerful tool, obviously, and, and you know, I've seen a lot of other creators, um, I think Patreon is kind of also part of the, this, this newsletter idea, but uh, but you also recently were tweeting about pre-ordering comics. Oh, yeah. Now, and, and y you know, we talk on the podcast, Calvin Reed and Kate Fitzsimmons and I, we all talk all the time about business and comics retailing and all that, and, you know, getting readers to pre-order uh, at their comic shop is something that comics creators are constantly on about. And, yep. um, but, but you suggested like, you know, can't we make this easier or, you know, can't we cut out the middleman? And, and, you know, this was another very interesting conversation that you started. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I I'm not the only person to ever say this. I mean, I think from, you know, for years, I think folks have basically looked at what happens on the internet, the way things are sold on the internet and said, why it, it could be so much easier for the comics industry uh, than it is right now. Um, yeah. I mean, the way the the way the way people work is that people hear about something, they hear about it again, they hear about it a third time, and when they hear about the third time, they're like, "I'm going to get it," you know. <laughs> right. And and what they do is they just click on a link and then they buy it that right. second. You know what I mean? Like they do it in it takes them three, two or three clicks. You know what I mean? That's and. And then they buy it. They may even forget that they bought it, but they bought it, and then it comes to them later, right? You know, mm -hmm. that's 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 the way people work. Um, and with comics, uh, what happens is that uh, the way comics are sold, um, and this is you, you know this, you've heard this a million times, but just just for everybody, you know, for anybody who has it, um, comics are sold uh, to not to uh, customers directly. They're sold by publishing houses to Diamond, which is the distributor. Um, and then Diamond, uh, uh, and that's based on orders that um, Diamond has gotten from comic book shops. So comic book shops place orders ahead of time. 
kind of guessing what kind of demand there will be for different books. And then the printers print to that kind of print to demand. They, they know how many books to print. So what that means is that two or like at about a month before a book actually goes to press, um, the, uh, the, it, it has almost been determined whether or not it's, it's going to succeed or fail. Um, because, because the, the number of orders have already come in. And so if you've got a book that has a first issue and the orders are really strong, then you're in good shape. Maybe the book will continue for a while. If you have a book that has a first issue and the orders are weak, uh, before any customer even sees the book, it, it may already be canceled. Um, so there's a huge amount of pressure among, you know, uh, among creators and publishing companies to, Get folks to pre get actual customers to pre-order books, mm-hmm. um, right? Which which is something that you know super fans do. I mean, there are thousands of people who do that. They they create they go to their comic shops. They have pull lists with their comic shops where they say these are the books I want in the coming months. And then those comic shops are like, okay, we know we're going to sell this number of books because we've got this number right. of people who have right. asked for these books. And and it's great for those folks. Um, but the the trick is that most people don't think that way and don't have that kind of time i mean comics is often this kind of this kind of uh retail comics is often described as a hobby market Mm -hmm. because for folks to do it to to go through all of this effort to pre-order books it kind of requires extra commitment it it has to kind of be your hobby to to buy and read comics um and that's fantastic and I, i i owe my career to folks who have done that um and thank you at the same time, we need to be able to make it easier for folks who have not researched everything and who have not been doing this forever and who are, who are not necessarily willing to put that amount of time into it. Mm-hmm. We need to make it easier for them to buy the book because the, they would want them if they could get them. Right. So. And it's also, just to, just to throw in here, just to give, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know this, but just in case you don't, like if you did want to pre-order as it stands right now, you would have to go through this 500-page catalog to do it. And that's kind of a drag. <laughs> well, to, to know what to do. Like, I mean, if, if you're doing it blind without, like, yeah. you know, like if you're just like, oh, I wonder what comics are coming out. Yeah, there's a giant catalog and then you'd have to look at that and decide. But, um, okay, so, so what, given the reality of the digital tools that are out there, it's, it's a no brainer to me that there should be a site, a website where, you could go to that website. You could you could uh, just click on the comics. The up you could do a search. You, you could look at the upcoming comics, and you could you know select those comics and pre-order them, and even prepay them, prepay for them through that website, f- and and then pick them up at your local comic book store, or maybe have them mailed to you. You know what I mean? But, right. but mainly to pick them up from your local comic book store, right? Um, because then that 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 would be a way for people to easily pre-order stuff online. Creators, when they ask people to pre-order, they wouldn't have to beg them, go to your local store, talk right. to somebody, pick up the phone. They could just include a link. <laughs> right. Because because you tell somebody to pick up a phone, one out of one out of 5,000 people will literally pick up a phone. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it, it's, I, I mean, but, but if you ask people to click on the link, you might get one out of 100. And that's amazing, you know? Um, so people, if people just click on a link, they can pre-order the book. That would... That seems like a no-brainer, but uh, it doesn't really exist yet. So I, I put a I put out a thing saying, "Hey, gosh, I wish this was 
there should be this thing and and uh and and very quickly actually some folks from diamond chimed in and said keep your eyes open <laughs> um and and jim mclaughlin uh, uh pointed me to an article that he'd written uh that um where he'd interviewed some diamond folks and they're actually planning to do something similar i don't know whether it will have all of the uh features you know that i'm that i'm hoping for but that's very encouraging the diamond right. because diamond again diamond is the dis- the distributor the main distributor of all the comics they've got the database that tells you what comics are coming out and they've got a website that actually shows those comics but now so now if they can make it so that you can you know uh select comics there and and actually pre-order them from shops that's that's a big 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 step forward right um you know and uh, there's totally valid criticism of the entire system and and i'm i'm what i'm describing doesn't you know (laughs) it doesn't address other kinds of criticism of the system you know, so I'm aware of that. It's just, a, it's another tool. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I love comics retailers, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I want to, I, and I, I want to help them. I want to sell books for them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and this would make it easier. Um, I mean, and uh, the other thing that was exciting is that also, uh, after I posted that, a lot of people chimed in and said, Hey, this comics, you know, you can actually, this comic store allows you to mm-hmm. pre-order online from them. And so I, I kind of put together all of those different, um, tools and i uh and i put up a page on my website that you know is kind of a master list of all these different shops that that actually let you pre-order yes, directly you have the whole from, page here on gregpop.com yeah, where it exactly. talks about how to do this now 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 greg for listeners who might not be familiar with your work um it amazingly in between all of your uh you know activity to make the comics industry work better um, you also write comics, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, how about that? How about that? <laughs> yeah. Now, how much? I mean, how much time? I mean, obviously, you're a guy who likes to stay busy. I mean, how much time do you spend between, you know, the creative side of things and the business side of things? Well, the business side, uh, you know, I mean, like this kind of, I, I mean, the business side of comics is a whole other issue, and and uh, I mean, I spend a lot of time on my. You know, just keeping my business running, but um, but you know, this kind of extracurricular stuff of of talking about stuff publicly, and you know, that's that's the you know, that's when I have time. You know what I mean? Like if you see me, if you see me popping on there and 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 starting up a thread like this, it's because I just turned in something and I've got like right. I've got like right. forty five I've got forty five minutes of uh, of of uh, that sort of like you know golden time when you just right. turned in something and you don't have a care in the world but you're still a little too uh, too uh, buzzed to, to right. just stop right, so, right 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 um, so so, so your spare you know, time you do all this stuff so yeah exactly um well let's talk a little bit about a couple of the comics that you're writing because yeah. um, you have a lot of excellent books out there what a surprise uh, one of them you. I was just reading was uh, Mech Cadet You uh, yeah. which is drawn by your I, I guess your frequent collaborator yeah yeah Takeshi Miyazawa drew yes. it. Uh, Taka is uh, this amazing Japanese Canadian illustrator who co-created Amadeus Cho with me back in the day for Marvel and ever since then I've basically grabbed onto him and, and dragged him into different projects when I ever whatever I have the chance I just love him I mean mm-hmm. he's he's got uh, he's 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 just a great um, he's a great comics artist and a great actor you know like like you know like his his he's so good with emotion with humor with action um and just all the little kind of subtle moments that that uh characters go through little subtle dramatic moments he just nails it every single time and i and i love it yeah i mean this is a book about a boy and his giant robot correct yes is that i mean i don't mean to boil it down to the basics but but, uh, yeah yeah, um and oh go on i'm sorry 
Yeah, it's a janitor's kid. So there's mm-hmm. a janitor's kid who works at this elite Skycore Academy, where uh, where the the privileged kids bond with giant robots, mysterious giant robots who come from outer space. They bond with these giant robots and then become members of the sky, you know, of the Skycore. And um, and our our you know scrappy young hero is the he's the janitor's kid. He works at the school, gets kind of bullied by the smug kids at the school, and will never be able to fly one of these things as much as he longs to. Um, and then he, you know, through through various hijinks, ends up bonding with a giant <laughs> robot, and he ends up becoming Mech Cadet U, which is the name of the book. So right. he's Stanford U, and now he's one of the uh, one of the one of the one of the cadets. And, right. and then there's a there's an invasion of giant crab monsters from outer space and, uh, and so these <laughs> these young cadets have to kind of come together and figure out how to uh, you know how to, right. how to take it all on what was the that's so what inspired you you know i mean besides other giant robots but i mean what well, yeah. made you really want to do this book well i grew up you know obsessed with robots you know i'm a, I, I grew up in the 70s and uh and so that was at a time when you know star wars was huge that was the big formative movie for you know a lot of us and and i was reading ray bradbury and reading stories like the uh i sing the body electric mm-hmm. you know with the the electric grandmother and, and 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 i was playing with uh micronauts which were these uh precursors of transformers you know there were these awesome robot toys uh from japan and so you know like i, I just always had robots in my brain and and loved all of the all of this different stuff. And then in a funny way, I also realized I, I love those Disney shows that they used to have on the wonderful world of Disney where like a kid would go off in the woods and like befriend, uh, befriend a deer or a yes. bear or something, you know? And then, you know, at the end, the kid's always crying because like the hunters are coming and the kid's like, go back to nature, go back to nature. <laughs> you know, try to throw yeah. the rock at the deer, make yeah. it go away. Anyway, but those, those stories were really compelling to me. And I, I, I realized it's because I think there's something really, um, fundamental where kids you know kids are so small and helpless right. and so this fantasy of having a big friend you know right. having a big bear who's your or a dragon you know what i mean like all those Anne McCaffrey novels you know having a a dragon or a bear or a or a or a or a giant robot mm-hmm. that's your buddy that's a really compelling fantasy so right. that stuff just stuck with me over the years i, I made a mo- this movie called robot stories that we talked about so i you know been thinking about robots and and this was one of the stories that kind of had been in my head since the time I made robot stories. And right. then almost 20 years later, or about, I guess, what, 13, 14 years later, I was able to, to do it in comics with talk. Right. So. Right. No, it's it's really um, a very, very fun book. Um, the art, as you say, is awesome. And it's colored in this awesome kind of retro style, too. Yeah. Really yeah Triana adds, Farrell. Yeah. Triana Farrell's the color. She's great. Yeah. And um, it's de- definitely a lot of fun. Um, you Thank know, it's, you. it's funny you mentioned those old Disney movies where the kid finds the creature because they always had a, like those movies, they always had a sad, you know, like there was loss involved in them. I think oh, that's yeah. oh, part yeah. of the, you know, the learning tree that we had to, you know, undergo to, you know, like what, what you love will be taken away. You know, I mean, have, have you ever watched The Yearling? Holy crap. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, no, you know, I, it's been years. It's been oh, years. Oh, but yeah. I, I watched it like a few years ago and it's like, you know, oh, dad's too sick sick to kill your pet son so mom will do it you know oh i got the gun oh god she's brutal <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's, uh, well that's every disney thing right yeah. there's always this like 
tragic loss at the beginning and then this kind of gradual regaining and some hint of that loss towards the end. Yeah, I could say, you know, like that's that's classic stuff, but that's what kids gotta, you know. They gotta learn. Uh, they gotta exactly. learn. Exactly. <laughs> Life is hard. Now, now they just send them on Twitter and, you know, leave them alone <laughs> to, to figure that out. Now, you're also, I, well, you know, I want to just throw in here at a plug. Uh, you know, you created Amadeus Cho, um, who is, uh, you know, now a mainstay of the Marvel U. Um, you know, you also wrote a little story called Planet Hulk. Oh, yeah. Which uh, <laughs> was, um, you know, part of, quite an influence on Thor Ragnarok, one of our, our uh, favorite movies here at Stately Media yeah. and PW. Yeah, I, I loved it. I was, it was so <laughs> exciting to see that. And, you know, totally unbiased, of course. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I but, mean, uh, it made for such a, you know, uh, I, I mean, that was really an example. I mean, it didn't really tell the story of Planet Hulk. It just oh, had no. some elements of it. Yeah, and yeah. They were very successful. Well, it's funny because I've you know there have been a handful of people who are like, oh man, they you know like because Planet Hulk is it's it, you know it's much more it, it's played much more straight. Like Thor Ragnarok, they took those gladiator elements and they they had a lot of fun with it. You know what I mean? Um, in Planet Hulk, it's you know we we play it pretty straight and it's a big huge epic you know adventure slash romance slash tragedy for the Hulk, um, and which is not what the Thor Ragnarok was, but I, I still loved it. You know, I mean, I just, I'm a sucker for that kind of movie and that kind of, you know, the buddy movie basically that they did there and just the, the kind of humor. And also, they use these characters, uh, Korg in particular, that I co created with the, the artists of Planet Hulk. And, um, and even though, you know, those characters, like Korg is, you know, like he, he gets a lot, he's comic relief in a lot of ways. The character is still like, the core of him is, is the same. He's still, this big right. rock man with a heart of gold, you know? And right. so it was very, it was exciting and fun to see, you know, this stuff play out in different ways in the movie. And I loved it. So. Yeah. Well, we, we all loved it, but you know, you brought, actually just one of the things about that movie that's so amazing is that even a character like Korg is, you know, who kind of is this throwaway, like, Oh, the dumb sidekick. He has this awesome story arc. Like they had so many characters in that movie and yet they all had a little moment. They had an arc. It's very, yeah. very skillful. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was great. Yeah. It was great. I um, had a blast. Yeah. Now, you're also, uh, let's see, you're writing Weapon H now? Yes. Now, what is yeah, so... Weapon H? In case <laughs> we haven't kept up. I know there was a Weapon X and Weapon yeah. this, that. What's Weapon H? So, Weapon H is, uh, <laughs> it's the Hulk Marine. It's a Hulk Wolverine oh, hybrid. Oh, right. So, the Hulk Marine, yes. Exactly. So, uh, it's the, the char- our character is Clay, and he is a... Um, He's an ex-soldier uh, who, uh, a nefarious um, secret uh, uh, agency known as Weapon X, um, uh, hooked him up with Hulk and, and Wolverine DNA. And so he not only hulks out, but he pops these big giant adamantium claws. He's, you know, he's he's a Hulk Marine. That awesome. sounds really unstoppable. How can yes, anyone that, fight oh, yeah. this Hulk Marine? <laughs> well, you'll have to you'll have to buy the books and find out. So. I mean, it's it's just a lot of fun because it's big, kind of classic, bombastic Marvel storytelling. You know, it's that that you know, like who wouldn't want to see a Hulk Marine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's I mean, but what I love about it is that we're really digging in, and, and I, I think we've got a, a really kind of meaty, emotional story to tell too. You know, I mean, this is a uh, he's different from Banner, he's different from Logan in this, and his backstory is totally different, and his motivations are different. I mean, he's a he, he's also um, so he's an ex-soldier. And he has, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but this is a guy who's been used, um, and is, and does not want to be used anymore. You know, like he's, he's trying to disappear. Uh, but at the same time, 
you know, he's this is a guy who joined the service because he he wanted to make a difference and he wanted to help people. And so when people are in danger, he's he uh, he's ready to to go uh, pop his claws. To, to pop those claws yeah. and, and Hulk up, uh, you know. But but there's always this, um, you know, this question of what he's risking by doing that. Uh, uh, it's I mean. It's a really fun story. Corey Smith is uh, is drawing, and he's having the time of his life. It's right. uh, Frank Darmada's coloring. It's it's going to be a big fun book. Also, fighting a lot of monsters. We've got a, a win to go in the first issue, and every issue it's going to be another shocker. So right. uh, now this comes do, out. When does this launch? Uh, March, I think March fourteenth oh, okay. is the, the so, day it hits. So we have a little ways to go before Weapon yeah. H uh, hits the stands. Um, well, Greg, you're so busy, and uh, I, I know uh, we're, we're beginning to run out of time here, but uh, I mean, what else is coming up from you that we should be be looking for? What else do you want to uh, talk about? Oh, well, I will, uh, I'll, I'll tease something that I haven't teased uh, uh, yet, which is I just actually been meeting with my buddy Jonathan Colton, uh, and we've got another crazy project, so keep your eyes and ears open. In the next the next few weeks, hopefully, we'll be announcing something. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a ton of fun. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I've got some other stuff coming up. But um, as always, uh, you can subscribe. To my <laughs> Look, he's a master. This guy is a pro, listeners. He is a pro. Listen to Greg. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, it is. Uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year in comics. Um, I think we've all agreed to that. So, uh, yes, oh, you know, yeah. uh, it's a good time to be uh, to be nailing down your core business. Um, you know, oh, man, we haven't even talked about Marvel, but, you know, perhaps for the best. That'll be maybe at the BarCon. Greg. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Well, anyway, listen, you should subscribe to Greg's newsletter. Um, you should also subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. Please do. And, um uh, thank Greg. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, um, thank you so much, Heidi. My yeah. pleasure as always. Yeah, really appreciate it. We can have you back on at some point, and um, would love to. Yeah, as always, there will be more to come.